it's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. The Red Bulls stormed into the Windy City and extinguished a fire in the knockout round of MLS Cup playoffs. Now the Supporter Shield winners Toronto FC await New York. We recap the 4-0 victory by the Red Bulls over Chicago and preview the Eastern Conference semifinal showdown with Toronto. Hello, welcome once again to a special MLS Cup playoff edition of the Full of Bulls podcast. Alongside Alfredo Fumasas, I am Mike Corbett. We are talking about the New York Red Bulls and their victory in Chicago Wednesday night and their upcoming MLS Cup semifinal two-legged affair with the Supporter Shield champion Toronto FC. Of course, follow us on our Twitter page at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, find us on Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes. Well, Alfredo, uh, two uh, podcasts in one week. I guess it makes up for the ones when uh, when I was away in the, in the summer. So we gotta, so we gotta uh, yeah. get them in now. But obviously, under special circumstances, we figured we gotta come yeah. up with another one after Wednesday night. But uh, how, how are you doing? How was your week? I'm doing great, man. Uh, special indeed. I mean, I I know that we had talked about that uh, if the Red Bulls uh, went through, that we yeah. would like to come out and. And put one out right before they play the next game against Toronto. So uh, here we are. I mean, two podcasts in uh, in one week is not something that I do, not even for my own podcast. Yeah. But uh, here we yeah. are. Yeah. And and I'm actually under under good motives, if I may. Yes. Add. Yes. Yes. And um, the reason why we are here on a Friday night. Well, first of all, we couldn't really had other things going on last night. I mean, I really wanted to get into it Thursday night after that one match, but I figured I'd just let everything else settle down for a day, let some of the matchups. We already knew they were going to play Toronto if they won, but we figured let everything else come out, maybe some other stuff we hear today or you know that came out yesterday today. But the reason why we are here on a Friday night, we're not out in some pub somewhere, is because the Red Bulls went into Toyota Park in Chicago and – by all means, you could say walloped the Chicago Fire or extinguished the Chicago Fire 4-0 in their MLS Cup playoff knockout match. Um, you know, they're starting at first. Just, you, yeah. I see what words. you did there. <laughs> all right, I'll see myself. All right. Uh, one thing, the starting 11 of the match, um, it was pretty much what we expected, except even, you know, even with uh, Damian Parnell in there for Fidel Escobar, Everything else was pretty much um, what you thought it would be. You, both of us were thinking maybe Escobar, but we also presented the case why he might go, why Jesse Marsh might go with Damian Parnell. And you know what? He went with the experience. And actually it worked out even on the offensive end. He sent that ball into to Bradley Wright Phillips right in the seventh minute. Also, you know, because I was exchanging stuff back and forth, not not going a- after people, but I posted something about, you know, the starting lineup and say, oh, I thought maybe Escobar might be in there for Parnell. And some people say, oh, well, you know, Parnell is better, you know, better. And, you know, what's his name? You know, Escobar hasn't been that good. I said, yeah, you know, sometimes you never know what you're going to get with Damian Parnell, but. And I, I responded pretty much seven minutes in to the guys. I go, and then that happens too. So I mean, yeah, I was thinking that right away when I saw when he had that ball sent it in to BWP. Now the goalie, he he probably um, would want that one back. But hey, yeah. we talked about it with two years ago when eight seconds in in um, MLS Cup 
conference final where where Columbus came in and smacked them seven or eight seconds into the match. They scored that goal, and it pretty much, even though it was a two-legged fair wipe them out, just the effects of that goal early on, um, what it had, maybe not necessarily that goal, but then just a few minutes later with Tyler Adams when he sends that ball into Sasha Kleshin, just – yeah, you know, it was almost like the fire was. Sh- I would say that they were, you know, shell shocked at that point. What just yeah. the effect that it had on the rest of the match? Those two goals, first yeah. and foremost. No, I, I mean absolutely. And we had spoken here uh, on Monday about what the approach should be, and and I think uh, I said, yeah. and I was emphatic in saying, well, the 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 rebels, the the one thing that they have to do, they can't get a go gun go, but at the same time, they need to play solid enough defense to take the crowd off the game out of the game and frustrate Chicago. I mean, they did that, but they did one better. They were yeah. happy they they were able to score the opportunities. The opportunities presented themselves and they were very they were very uh clinical in front of goal. They didn't waste the opportunities. They had the opportunities and they put them away. And I think that was the big difference is putting the, away those opportunities. And I've often spoken here about the ability of the Red Bulls or, or that they need to create these opportunities and put them away. You can't create, create, create and not put away because that just put, puts pressure on a, on your defense. And when you're two goals up and all of a sudden your defense that had started the game well, but now is Caesar, uh, uh, sees itself with a two-game cushion, then the, the, the defense can now relax, right? You're playing yeah. against the MLS top scorer, Golden Boot winner, uh, and Nikolic. Uh, you kind of like relax now. I said, okay, we got a two-goal cushion. Let's just be smart about it. Let's not make a lot of mistakes. Let's play safe. Let, you know, And that's what the Red Bulls did, and I think they did that very well. And I think it was perfect how you said – where they were clinical and they made the most of their opportunities and they finished where we saw times early in the year where the Red Bulls did have opportunities. They either hit the post, they missed, or they shot it, or the keeper had a great save where the Red Bulls did, you know, Chicago after that did have a little bit of a fight towards the end of the first half. They were fighting back and they may have had a couple opportunities, but as you said, where the Red Bulls were able to put them away, Chicago did have some opportunities, Nikolic himself, and they weren't able to convert in this first half. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I and look, the the defense and the team grew confident uh because now all of a sudden you got a Chicago that finds has to be urgent about what they're doing. And and oftentimes when you're urgent, you're rushing balls, you're rushing passes, you're missing some of the passes that you're you would otherwise complete and you would otherwise make. And I think that the, the rebels took advantage of that. They were able to close themselves off. Like Jesse Marsh says, there was a quiet confidence about this team on the field. And that's exactly it. This team felt confident, two-goal uh, cushion. And I think that this this team was never in danger of seeing the fire get back into this game. And then, you know, once the, as the time expires and as the clock runs to, towards the 90th minute, there's even a more sense of urgency by the Chicago Fire where they're throwing guys forward. They're making more mistakes because now all, all it's all about – it's not about playing with your head. It's about playing with the with the, um, the emotional side uh, of what you want to do and rushing things. And I think that the Rebels were, were bound to take advantage, and I think that the, the third goal uh, really cemented uh, you know, what the result was going to be at the end. 
Yeah, but I'll uh, get to the third goal in just a second. Before the third goal, Chicago in this, this beginning of the second half, they did come out strong, obviously knowing that their season's on the line. They're down two. They, they're trying to do what the Red Bulls did, get that early goal in the second half and get back into it. Uh, a moment where if you're on Twitter, if you lo- listen to Stu Holden uh, on the broadcast, you know, cr- you know, crying about, ah, oh, it should have been a red card. The moment with Luis Robles where he makes the two saves and the second one as he's making a save coming down, Miera is right there coming down on top of him. And you see sort of Robles throw his leg out a little bit you know, as if he's kicking out to it. And Miera makes more of it. Referee's right there saying it has nothing of it going on. Robles on the altercation saying he swears he wasn't trying to make contact. That is, you know, he's got a tender Achilles. Last thing he wants someone landing on it. So he's trying to, you know, kick out. Whatever, regardless, whatever it was or not, I'm just saying, in, in a situ, my me personally, uh, in a situation like that, you know, maybe one, it wasn't as if he came in like, uh, you know, Roy Keane did that, well, that one time where you, you know you're 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 going in with evil intentions, you know, stuff like that, or you know, like Eric Cantona, I mean, we're going to fly into the stands into the hooligans' chest. You know, for people to start crying about that being a red card in a, in a in a knockout playoff game, I think that was a little little much. I I don't know how you felt. Yeah, maybe you want to give yeah. him a warning about it, but it wasn't as if he was going at him with his studs or anything. Yeah, I mean, I think it it all depends on uh, on the angle that the referee has. It depends on where it is on the field. I think that if if that's somewhere on a field between two field players, then. I think there there's there may be a different a different analysis by the referee. The fact that Mato came in and he kind of put a forearm to uh to Robles' uh midsection uh and he felt that as in a result and then uh Robles if I'm not mistaken is on his stomach so if he lifts his leg it's it's a lot different than when you're lifting your leg as you're laying your stomach as it is if you if you put if you push your leg forward. Uh, so, I mean, just just think of the amount of force that you could put if you're on your stomach and, and you're bending the leg at the knee and you're swinging uh, your lower leg. There's not a lot of force that's that's going on. OK, maybe the intent. And I think that's maybe what Stu Holden was looking at. That maybe there's an intent there, but maybe there's something a little extra after the play. So maybe that's where he was looking at. But but for me, it, it, it's really just, uh, you know, yes. I think that Robles was perhaps protecting himself. There's a little bit of a retaliation, but a it, little frustration. Yeah, yeah, it's not big enough to for it's not big enough for for a guy to be ejected. And yeah. and I understand uh, uh, Robles's frustration. After all, he jumps for the ball, and the guy goes into him with a, with a forearm to his to his midsection. So you know, it's not the the happiest of place. And he has the ball controlled, and he's almost on top of the goal line. Come yeah. on. The small box is the goalie. You can't touch the goalie uh, in a small box. That is the rule. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, yeah. If if he wanted to come and tell both guys knock it off, whatever. Come on, you you you're gonna eject the the goalkeeper in, in a playoff game in, in a, an elimination playoff game. I mean, come on, guys. You know, there wasn't enough there for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Following that. Um, Chicago, they were still, they were still, uh, you know, getting back after it, and, and all of a sudden they started making their substitutions. Bastian Schweinsteiger comes on. Um, they, they made two, the all three of their substitutions between the 65th and the 70th minute. One of them, uh, Schweinsteiger, 
who could have been possibly making his final appearance as a an active player, not only in MLS but overall in in uh, professional. Um, it, right after they made the two substitutions in the 70th minute, as you said with Royer, the dagger, where is the putting the dagger in the chest where he scores to make it three nil, but it wasn't, it was a great goal, but I know you texted me when it happened, not necessarily the goal itself, which was a nice goal. They spun around and scored it, but just how the goal came about and how it was created. And it, it all started because with Sean Davis, you know, taking the ball from Dax McCarty in, in the midfield, just, you just, as you watched it, you're talking about a big moment for Sean Davis in his career. Someone yeah. who is, coming up through the system and sort of in a certain way replacing Dax McCarty, someone he learned from. And there was all the talk during the, the offseason about the trade, you know, trading away Dax and stuff like that. And for this moment to happen, it was, it was a lot going on with that play. Yeah. Now, look, it was very symbolic, right? For, for all the, the storylines that we've spoken about all season, for as many times that we've spoken about Dax McCarthy and uh, the Red Bulls losing uh, the face of the franchise, uh, the guy that uh, kind of powered it, it all, if if you will, uh, in, uh, in favor of these young kids. And I think that uh, there was one of the storylines that we, we talked about last uh, or this past Monday where I, I think I, I believe I said that um, – if if Jesse if the rebels get past Chicago, then we validate Jesse Marsh's or the clubs and and, and I'm sure that mm -hmm. it was both the clubs and Jesse Marsh's decision. Uh, they va you validate or we validate Jesse Marsh's decision to let go of Dax McCarthy and go with the young kids. Uh, and what we see here on Wednesday night is a, is very symbolic, right? So uh, somebody challenges Dax um, for the for the ball in the midfield. Uh, he kind of uh, loses a little bit of, of the ball. The ball gets away from him. And I think that uh, Sean Davis completes the tackle, takes the ball away, feeds it to BWP. BWP then feeds it back to him. Uh, uh, he, he feeds it uh, – he ends up on the line, and then he feeds Daniel Roy, and Royer scores a goal, yeah. right? So the whole thing is initiated by – by uh, Sean Davis, and, and for as, as much as he struggled in the beginning uh, of the season and for as much as criticism that he put up during the beginning of the season, I think that this was a redeeming uh, point for, for Sean Davis, not only for Sean Davis, but uh, for this team, because I think that if this team falters, if this team fails in this game, that whole Jack uh, uh, Dax McCarthy narrative comes back and, and it's a talking point for the fans to be unhappy with this team. And I think that it, it was symbolic to the point that now all of a sudden we're moving on. We're moving on with the players mm -hmm. that we've picked. And look, it was the right decision because after all, it's brought you success. It doesn't mean that it's going to bring you an MLS Cup, but yeah. nonetheless... It, this was a team that was six-seeded, uh, playing against the third-seeded team, and we were able to beat the third-seeded team at their stadium against the guy that we argued all season was the face of the franchise, and that powered this Red Bull, and the Red, Red Bulls lost a little bit of the identity by giving up Dax McCarthy. Yeah. So it's all, it's all symbolic, and it's all tied in, and I think that the Red Bulls can now move on from this. And another symbolic had to be the final goal of the match where the super sub Gonzalo Verón comes on for BWP in the 77th minute. Just uh, 
a few moments after Royer's goal comes on for him. And about 10 minutes after that, the 87th minute, it was a great pass from Sasha Kleschen to send Verone loose. And he has the chip of the goalie, just for the, the, the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, as I like to say. And from then, you know, 4 nil. So it was almost you know good for Gonzalo Verone, someone who's been playing this role as his career has almost been reborn the second half of the year with the Red Bulls. And it was just the same role he is. He's coming on late in the match to sub out someone. Yeah, all right, he was pretty much already done and dusted three nil. But it was nice of him, you know, just you know, have another yeah. goal. You see him out there; he's happy, he's playing well. You know, just to yeah. add to the you know, to the score line as well. Yeah, five goals on his last seven appearances. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's not a factor, if I don't know what it is, it's a guy you need to pay attention to as he comes in the game, regardless of how many minutes he's got to make an impression. But it's definitely a guy that's made an impression in the past seven games, scoring five goals. Yeah. And 4-0, uh, I wanted to talk to you about you, – you talked about it earlier – the defensive performance, obviously getting out to the 2-0 lead early on helped. But just the overall performance going up against that Chicago Fire team who had guys like Nikolic, had guys like David Akam, Elise Solniak, you know, keeping them off the score sheet. Um, you know, Luis Robles said it great in the postgame where they came up to him, you know, on a clean sheet, you know, talking about him. He goes, hey, Clean sheet, of course, is nice, but I think even if they had scored, that's a disappointment in that it wouldn't necessarily f reflect how well we played defensively. The clean sheet makes a statement that we took care of the golden boot winner this year. We limited his opportunities and we got our goals early. So that put them in a difficult situation right away, and it's always nice to get a two-goal cushion so early in the game, but defensively we were solid tonight. Just overall, your thoughts with <coughs> excuse me, you know, the, the defense, we're concerned – about going up against all the different weapons at Chicago, and obviously there's going to be more concerns coming ahead to their their upcoming opponent. But just how the confidence that they played, and even when Chicago was threatening, they all seemed at ease when they finally did get the ball and they were able to clear it, or not necessarily even just boot it down the field, but even just make the right pass in their own end in order to just you know to clear it out that way as well. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget this is a, a Red Bull team that's uh, plus eight in goal differential in the month of October uh, through their four uh, matches. Uh, uh, scored nine, only allowed one. So something has to be said about the way this defense has been playing this this month and the momentum that they build and the confidence that they build going into these playoffs, regardless of the opposition that they have played in these past uh, four games, that's still... Quite a remarkable feat for a team for a defensive line, and uh, and guys jumped in and out all season for a defensive line that had their own struggles all season. So for them to go into this game with the and gather some more confidence as a result of of being able to shut down the the Golden Boot winner, uh, I mean it's it's great they did well, and as I mentioned. The, the 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 offense has been helping them also, but uh, they did very well. And, and now we'll see what they do against another high-powered offense. Yeah. Other results from the knockout round. And now we have the all of MLS Cup playoff semifinal matchups. All right. Um, the other one in the East, the Columbus Crew. You know their story. Their owner may be looking to move them to Austin, Texas. 
a lot of people they've been getting a lot of support throughout the uh, other te you know teams in the leagues the other uh, supporter groups in the leagues it's been nice to hashtag save the crew although i mean who knows what's going to happen but they go down to atlanta and they beat atlanta in penalties it was uh, nil nil for the entire match in extra time and they beat them 3-1 in penalties so congrats to columbus vancouver i i believe when the Red Bulls won 4-0, I believe I read somewhere where it was the largest margin of victory in a, in a knockout stage game. Well, then if that's mm -hmm. the case, then that, that lasted an all two hours because then Vancouver later on that night blows out San Jose 5-0. And you think San Jose, the joy that they had in the final day of the regular season, scoring that goal in stoppage time to clinch the playoff spot only for a few days later just to get waxed 5-0 by Vancouver, who was probably a little upset because they lost the number one seed and had to play in a knockout run. And also Houston beats Sporting Kansas City in extra time 1-0. So our matchups, of course, we have Toronto FC against the number six-seeded Red Bulls. We'll talk about that in just a moment. The number two seed in the East, NYCFC, will be playing Columbus. Portland, who got the number one seed in the West, the Portland Timbers, will be playing the Houston Dynamo, the four seed. And the number two seeded Seattle Sounders will be playing the Vancouver Whitecaps. It's just a, a border war there, one of the, the Cascadia rivalry matches. All right, but we're not here to talk about all the other ones <clears throat> until we really have to. Talking about the next opponent for the New York Red Bulls, at least we're looking at the, the one match, the upcoming one match. Monday night at Red Bull Arena, Toronto FC comes to town. It's going to be a national broadcast on Fox Sports 1. Scheduled kickoff is 7.25 p.m. The second leg will be at BMO Field in Toronto on Sunday, November 5th, 3 p.m. on ESPN. All right, Toronto FC, number one team in the, the league this year, of course, of this, the East. They were awarded the Supporter Shield. They set the record for most points in a single season, 69 points, uh, breaking the LA Galaxy's mark that they had set back in 1998. Scored the most goals in MLS with 74. Conceded the second lowest amount, 37. Goal differential of a plus 37. You know, they have a cast of stars. Sebastian Jovenko, Jose Altador, Victor Vasquez, Michael Bradley, Justin Morrow, Marky Delgado, among the guys who lead the way for them. And they also have guys coming off the bench. To St. Ricketts, Armando Cooper, Raheem Edwards. A solid back line. You have Alex Bono in goal. Um, for the most part, they've played a similar formation that the Red Bulls have played you know, the second half of the year. They did go to a 4-4-2, which I don't know if it's something that they might use against the Red Bulls. They used that in their final match, but it was maybe something they're trying against Atlanta. This season, the Red Bulls played and Toronto FC played twice. They played to a draw at Red Bull Arena in May, 1-1, and then went to or Toronto in September, lost 4-2. By the way, it's the last time the Red Bulls have lost a match. You know, Red Bulls down 2-0 with some mistakes. They were playing well, down 2-0 early, came back, leveled even, then gave up the penalty. Then Justin Morrow completed uh, his first career hat trick in the stoppage time. So, and another thing, with the Red Bulls heading into this match, since losing to NYCFC at home June 24th, which just helps the Red Bulls playing the first match, Red Bulls are unbeaten at Red Bull Arena with five wins and four draws after going and after going winless in the month of September. Right now, the Red Bulls are unbeaten in October. The reason why I bring that up, <clears throat> you always talk about you know, the importance of playing your best soccer heading into MLS Cup playoffs. And we've seen the Red Bulls past few years where they were the number one seed. They either got knocked out early or got knocked out in the conference final. It was always a team that, you know, 
maybe people didn't expect much for them, and the team just got hot and just you know ran right through the the postseason. The Red Bulls had been playing well over the last month since they went on that winless streak from middle of August to the beginning of October, but they've been playing well. And, you know, on top of that, the, the, the game on Wednesday. On the other hand, despite the record-setting season for Toronto FC, you could say, you know what, they had everything wrapped up. Maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit, but they weren't necessarily come rolling into the playoffs their, their last two matches. So having said all that, Red Bulls will be the underdogs heading into this matchup, into both legs in the semifinal. How big of underdogs are they really, considering how well they played towards the end of the year and look like they're starting to figure things out? And also a little bit of maybe Toronto, maybe, um, I don't want to say coming down to earth, but not on their their best form of the last four or five matches. Yeah, no, look, any team that goes against a team that's won the Supporter Shield that uh, got max points during the regular season is going to be an underdog, right? So I think that, uh, yeah, the Red Bulls are underdogs, but I think that there's a lot of teams that look at this Red Bull team, uh, look at the inconsistencies that they've had uh, during the season, but they still know that there's there's value on this team that there's guys that can make a difference they got probably they got probably one of the best goalkeepers in the league they got the assistant uh the the assist leader uh on this team and they got a guy that's lethal in front of goal in bwp so teams recognize that there's these guys that can make a difference and that can turn a game from one uh from one play to another but they're probably not as cohesive and not as strong as a, as a as a team as a whole. So they have these guys that can make a difference, and then they have a supporting cast that if if things are clicking and things are ticking, then it could get uh, things back. So I don't I I know that the Red Bulls are are an underdog. I don't think they're huge underdogs, despite you know being first seed against sixth. Uh, not to mention that the Red Bulls haven't lost to Toronto at Red Bull Arena in their past nine outings. So that's also something to take into consideration. And I know that you you say, well, a stats is stat, and and stats and, and records and streaks are, are, are meant to, to be broken. But I think this is something that mentally – the Red Bulls uh, feel that when they play at home, there's 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 that fortress uh, uh, name that gets thrown around all the time, and uh, Red Bull Arena is a fortress for the Red Bulls, and and the Red Bulls have done that against uh, Toronto. Now, in regards to Toronto, I you know I don't know how they're going to approach this game, but I think that the <clears throat> biggest thing is, uh, and the approach is probably to to not give up a lot of goals. Or not give up any goals and and approach this game with as much seriousness as possible, regardless of playing against a, a, a team that on paper is worse than you, and that is a six seeded that that basically just kind of like rolled into the playoffs, if you will, uh, at the last minute. But uh, I think that uh, Toronto is going to be very cautious. And I don't think that the Toronto is looking at the Red Bulls and looking at them as a very big underdog. But rather, yes, they're, they're on paper worse than us. But I still think that they have weapons that could hurt us. I think that's how Toronto is looking at this game. Yeah, I just, you know, with the head coach, Vanny, was just talking about 
about the Red Bulls, anticipating a tough series. Uh, I got this from their website. It's not near talking about the Red Bulls. It's not in their nature to sit back and wait, man. He said they'll find their moments, look to press and create problems for us. When you have two teams that really try to go after the game, it makes for an exciting series. So, yeah, I I think that they're they're definitely. Let's put it this way: I don't think Toronto FC is overlooking uh, the Red Bulls. Yeah. It's it's not going to be that. It's just how big or how little of underdogs they're going to be. Yeah. You know, well, I, when when they're playing at home, I don't think they're they're huge underdogs. If uh, if I if I could add that, I mean, when they're playing away, they've had their road woes. Yeah. I mean, they were beaten four two in Toronto, and I know that there was some miscues there. So maybe they they will become bigger underdogs when they uh, go up to BMO. But that all depends on uh, the result that uh, they get at the uh, at the Red Bull Arena. Yeah, and in particular with that result. With it being a two-legged affair, and the road goals are weighted more than home goals, similar to what you would see in the in the Champions League when you get into the into the knockout stages. Jesse Marsh always says that he wants a team playing the Red Bull away. With you know they're they're aggressive, that they're always had that you know the pedal to the floor, that they they play with energy, play with pace. How much do you have to try to balance the Red Bull way? And it's funny how we were saying this last week or early in the week about the about the Chicago match, and they came out right away and scored these goals. But it, this being a two-legged affair and knowing that road goals do weigh more and just what you want to do is keep a clean sheet at home or at least a minimal amount of goals, just how much is it an issue of really trying to balance that Red Bull way compared to being um, – on I hate to say cautious, but I mean I'll say to be a bit on the cautious side, at least in this first match at home at Red Bull Arena. Well, I, I think that uh, last year's team was probably a lot more aggressive. There was pressing going on uh, throughout the field in def different areas of the field at at all times. And I think that the one thing that's changed, uh, the Red Bulls are still a pressing uh, team, but they're picking their moments to press. So they know that there's 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 not maybe the same personnel that they have to be able to press the whole game or to press for most of the game uh because some guys still need to identify those those timings of of the press but i think that the rebel has recognized that they could press teams in certain moments in certain situations and they've had success with that now Toronto, yes, you know they have to be cautious, but as I mentioned, they will pick their moments to to press a guy to turn the ball over and to go on the on a counter or to go uh, into a transition. Uh, so the Rebels are going to be very cautious. They're not going to be uh, that all-out press team that we've seen, especially last year. But I think that's just that's just the 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 the. the uh, the DNA of this team is that they pick their moments. Uh, and I think that the, the rebels recognize that there's, there's a lot of weapons in this, uh, and this Toronto team, and they have to be very cautious. Uh, but, uh, I think there's going to be a big matchup in the midfield. Um, but, but then again, you know, I just like Chicago, the rebels are going to look for their moments. You're talking about the different weapons that they have, and one I just want to point out, they, they have several guys that can hurt you, but one in particular, Sebastian Javinko. 
You see a lot of his free kicks. You even see a lot, you know, his goals that he scores in open play. And I remember this last year in, in the Premier League where Manchester United were playing Chelsea at Old Trafford where Jose Mourinho had Anders Herrera. Anders Herrera, I said Anders. Anders Herrera. I'm thinking Anders Lee on the Islanders. Man Mark, Eden Hazard, the whole game, wherever Hazard was walking on, on the pitch, Herrera was right there. Even if there was nothing going on, he was on him the whole time, following him around. It worked. United won the game 2-0. I even think Herrera had a goal in that, in that match. Chelsea didn't even have a shot on target. Is this something that you would think you might want to – knowing even though you have all the other guys that you have on Toronto FC, the outdoors and guys like that, is this something you might want to think about doing with Javinko just because this guy is so talented and he can just hurt you in so many different ways? Just have someone on him the whole time and just follow him around? No, I, I think that the Red Bulls are not prepared for that. Um, for the Red Bulls to do that, they'll basically be taking a guy out of uh, out of their, their regular play or their the way they play. Uh, and I think a team is only – able to do that when they have guys that understand that now they have to cover a certain position or they have to block a certain hole. And yeah. I think that the, the Rebels, and look, I'm not talking down the Rebels, I think that the Rebels are not as advanced tactically to play a game like that. And I think that that, that would, I, I understand that Jovinko is a guy that can make a difference and he's shown uh, MLS that he can make a difference, but I think that we would be respecting Giovinco too much by giving him that level of attention. So that that's what I think. But then again, uh, you never know. You you might decide that hey, tell Tyler Adams you go and chase this guy. But you you if you do that, you're kind of taking yourself out of the game that you want to build yourself. Yeah, you might you might you might be able to do it for portions. You know, say if the Red Bulls do have yeah. a lead. Say if they have a one new lead, you know, coming around the 75th minute. And I know that Jesse always likes to attack, but you think around the 75th minute or, you know, somewhere late in the second half and you're thinking, all right, you know what? We can get out of here, not conceding a goal, taking a goal in, in our bank with us to Toronto. That's when you might want to do something like that, at least consider it. But yeah, obviously you talk about the Red Bull style. Yeah, it might not work for the whole match, but it's something that you might. And then you never know who else is, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, on the well, on the match that's uh, on the field that's really hurting him at that point. Maybe Jovinko's not having the game yeah. you think you, know, well, you would have, and it's. I, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you this much. There won't be a, a personalized man-to-man go everywhere he goes type of uh, of def- defensive effort by the rebels on Jovinko, but I, I can assure you that. Somebody on that team is gonna want to know where Jovinko is at all times. That's the first thing. The first thing that that you, you get ordered by the coach is like you have to know where this guy is at all times because he's so quick and he's a guy that appears in in empty spaces and empty lanes. That the first you have to have that presence of mind that. The soon you don't, the, as soon as you don't see Jovinko, you gotta be looking for him. And I think that these are the the, the type of instructions that uh, Jesse Marsh is going to be given to uh, to his defenders because Josie Altidore is a guy that's less elusive. He does have the speed, 
mm-hmm. big body, but he's a guy that that's more positional. He, he he plays within a certain area of the field. Jovinko is a guy that could drop down into the midfield, that could appear on the right side, that could appear on the left side, that could go behind defenses, that could do uh, uh, you know just basically a diagonal run in between the fullback and the center back to expose the defense. So it's always you got to have that presence of mind of of looking up and said, "Where's Jovinko? Where's Jovinko? Where is he at?" Because that's it. You know, you got to have that presence of mind. So I don't think it'd be a personalized defensive men-to-men option or or strategy by the Red Bulls. But I think that there's going to be somebody that needs to know where Jovinko is at all times. Looking at the starting 11 that they could put out there Monday night, figuring if everyone's healthy and okay. I know uh, Kamara Lawrence came off again. He was a little banged up. But you'd pretty much go with the same lineup that they put out there Wednesday night on, on Chicago, that they, you put that same lineup out there Monday night against yeah. Toronto? I think you have to. I think okay. there's uh, – barring anyone from being injured. And, look, this this is the playoffs. This is when you want to play. This is when you push through. This is when you say to the trainer, make that taping a little extra yeah. tight because I want to be able to, to go. Give me a couple, Advil, a couple Advils so I can – play through this pain uh so this is the type of games that guys if if they're at 85 90 percent they want they're gonna want to go uh if during regular season they might say well you know coach you know i'm not 100 percent. why don't you let me take a breather i'll come back and, and play next week but this is the type of game that guys will want to play especially guys with a competitive edge uh guys like kamar lawrence who've had the international pedigree yeah. that these these are the games that these guys live for yeah. Looking at something that wouldn't necessarily have an effect on the match, but just talking about it might have an effect on, on the atmosphere. I wonder how big of a crowd they'll have there Monday night. I know they had 11,000 there Chicago for the knockout game. Sometimes those are tough midweek games. But I, I wanted to bring this up. During Toronto FC's regular season finale, it was down in Atlanta. The, the Atlanta United fans, each time that Josie Altidore, Michael Bradley touched the ball, they got booed. And they even had a sign with their pictures on it you know, behind one of the goals saying the biggest losers, obviously in reference to the U.S. team bombing out of World Cup qualifications. Now, I remember back in 2014, the South Ward really laying into Chris Wondolowski because he missed a, uh, he had a wide-open goal that he missed right at the end of regulation against Belgium that would have won it, and they went on to lose in uh, extra time. And I just remember them going after Wondolowski and booing him each time he touched the ball. Uh, I'm just wondering, guys like Bradley and Altidore, guys who are from the area, the local guys from the area, both came up through the team. You know, Bradley was a, a Metro star. Josie was a Red Bull. Guys who came up, Jersey guys. I'm wondering how much uh, of the South Ward, knowing how they went after Wondolowski, knowing how the Atlanta United fans – there's still a lot of guy people there. Still, the the wounds are still fresh from the U.S. team. I'm just wondering how much they they uh they lay into those two come Monday night. Yeah. And you also think you know it might be a playoff match, and they think, <laughs> hey, you want we can try you know whatever we can do to to help. Look, it, it, those ties that they've had at one point in their career are are long severed, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a south a south ward that had a guy dressed up in a whaler's mascot <laughs> for the new NYCFC 
just because, because NYCFC was going to play in Connecticut or did play yeah. in Connecticut. I mean, it wasn't even direct to that game, but they felt that they needed that jab. I don't expect the Southworth to give these guys any breaks because of, of the, 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 the distance between when they played or the time lapse when they played for the Red Bulls or the Metro Stars until now. They're, those ties are long severed. Now, if you're talking about a guy like Lloyd Sam, then, yeah, it's very recent. The Southward may show him some kind of uh, of respect, but none of these guys, the Southward feels no connection to these guys whatsoever. And regardless yeah. of whether from, you're from Union City, Elizabeth, or, or Princeton, they're not going to give a crap. Yeah, they don't give a crap. Even if you, if, even if you were boys with a uh, your your pal Cristiano Oliveira, you know that's just, right. Yo, yo, dude, you can't be booting him. It's inside joke with us, man. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a feeling um, they'll lay into it. I did see a joke online. Someone goes, "Hey, you want to shut down Altador and Bradley? You know, have a few people dress up as Costa Rican fans in this crowd at Red Bull Arena. They yeah. go, they'll, they'll they'll miss everything on goal then. <laughs> yeah, could be." Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, you will keep uh, uh, they you keep Bruce Arena away for sure on that one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see um, a big one on Monday night. It's it's I think it's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll we'll be back at it soon after the match. Getting you know breaking it down, what happened Monday night, and what needs to happen following Sunday. Alfredo, it was great talking to you two times in one week. That's Enjoy right. the weekend. I saw Benfica won today, so at least got your, your weekend off to a good start here. You're not starting with a loss. Yeah, at least that, but we got Man U uh, up on this Tuesday, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, you never <laughs> who, who knows? We're going to see what, what United's up to now. The last last few games have been eh. – I mean, they won at Swansea in the league cup and yeah. in Huddersfield. Ugh. But we're we're out of uh, we're out of uh, the Champions League anyway, so I think that you're playing for uh, really just to for your reputation and for respect, really. Yeah, and you know, it's a trip to Old Trafford, so maybe they get a little fired up for that. Benfica, yeah, you know? maybe of they, they come out. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, is our friend making the trip over there? I, I haven't talked to him. He's no, flying. not going to Old Trafford. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know. I could maybe have found someone. I got him a, a ticket or something like that. I don't know. You could have been, he could uh, he could have been hanging out uh, sitting in the stands at Fergie. Fergie Charlton, he could have been sitting there with them. He's got connections. <laughs> All right, Alfredo, enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you uh, after the match next week. All right? See you, everybody. Thanks, right. Mike. For Alfredo from us, I'm Mike Corbett. Thanks for listening once again. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.